Pentecost today, the government, bride, jubilee, it's a time to be gathered by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor. As we have discussed in many past blasts, there is much hidden manna, nutrients for our minds, to be found in God's feasts. The Feast of Weeks, Leviticus chapter 23 verse 15, or Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 verse 1, known also as the Feast of Harvest, Exodus chapter 23 verse 16, and the Day of First Fruits, Numbers chapter 28 verse 26, is certainly no exception. Considering we are at the end of a 7,000-year cycle and in the dawning of the eighth day, the feasts have become very, very, very significant and are our roadmap to entering God's rest and becoming the benefactors of His plans for restoration. Such an exciting time. As the world falls apart in front of our eyes, the kingdom of God is even now being established and the whole earth is about to experience a great change. Within the four different names of this feast, there is so much truth to be gleaned, and an even further manifestation of the plan of God comes to light as we study them. We will begin our search for the nuggets of truth concealed within the name Feast of Weeks. The word Weeks, 7651, in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary means, literally, sevened, to be complete. From 7650, to swear seven times, adjure, change by an oath, with an oath. Carnal number, seven as a sacred full one, a week. How does this translate into something we can understand? For one thing, much knowledge has been revealed in the last 7,000-year cycle, and many promises of God backed by His covenants were sworn into existence during that time. There was a treasure trove of knowledge, specially revealed at the end of the seven-year cycle. Peter explains how a thousand years is as a day to the spirit realm, and so the 7,000 years was a week to God, and now a new era begins. Those who reached for and willingly fed on this truth are about to be sevened by God's holy convocations, completed, matured to move further into the eighth day. With the completion of the sacred full seventh week, the promises of God are theirs. Seven means a sacred full one, and it is a cardinal number that classifies God's people as barley government, or wheat, people, and gives account of the mature seed. Look back over the definitions of seven, and you will see this information unfold. As we study the name Pentecost, we find it means 50. Its number is 4,005 in the Strong's Greek Dictionary. It comes from the root number 2250, meaning tame, gentle day, the time between dawn and dark. How does this translate? It's the twilight before the full dawning of the eighth day, a time of rest, a kind of intermission before the further happenings. 
At the same time, it is the early morning of the third day since Jesus sealed God's promises of restoration in his own blood on the cross. Eight is a number standing for new beginnings, and three is a number used for emphasis to make something stand out. On the one hand, we are spiritually in the morning of the eighth day and soon to enter a completely new cycle. And on the other hand, physically, we are in the morning of the third day when he will again raise up his temple or his body. John chapter 2 verses 20 through 21. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. This surely had meaning for the early church, but there is also a further fulfillment of this scripture for us today. The body of Christ is appearing. The born-again new creature is metamorphic in nature, and when mature is a different species that is like Christ after his kind, and therefore able to really be used as his body. Where does the number 50 come into play? We attend this feast 50 days after the Feast of Passover. This gets more exciting because 50 is the number of Jubilee. Jubilee is 3104 from 2986, meaning a blast of a trumpet, continuous sound, signal of the silver trumpets, on to 2986 to cause to bring forth, lead forth. Jubilee is at the end of seven cycles, or when his bride had completed all seven holy convocations, and is prepared through the knowledge served. Since the new species is owned by Yahweh, Satan and his evil spirits, the present occupants plaguing man, must loose their hold on them as Jubilee is a time when all debts are annulled and slaves are set free. It's true Adam and Eve sold man and the earth out to Satan, but the jubilee at Pentecost will return the government of the new generation of man to the Father and set them free of the enemy so they can lead others to this freedom. He himself deeded the earth and all on it to humanity. He is the rightful owner as the creator of his people, his son, the oath, the word, the knowledge of God made flesh to dwell among us, paid in full for our redemption. He bought our freedom from Satan and paid the death penalty for our sins committed through minds held captive by the enemy and fed his corrupt knowledge. Hear the trumpets blowing. They are sounding freedom to the barley, perfect tomorrows, a gentle day, a time between dawn and dark, the meaning of Pentecost, and it will blow again at Rosh Hashanah announcing the beginning of a new cycle, the preparing of the wheat for the Father's house. The trumpet will again sound at the Feast of Atonement, fulfilling God's promises of freedom to the earth and all creation that remains after the removal of the weeds and tares. This will be the final jubilee. The third name, Feast of Harvest, is quite interesting also. All mankind must attend the Feast of Passover 
Pentecost, and Tabernacles, as all three are feasts of harvest. Sadly, much of the church ignores completely this spiritual command of God. Many are not aware that the feast exists, or if they do, think they are for the Jew alone. Yet all will attend in the end as God is master of his creation. There will be three harvests, and we will all be harvested, one way or the other. The first to be harvested is God's government, his priests, symbolized by the barley harvest. Through them he will lead all humanity into his rest, into the eternal Feast of Sabbath. The final harvest of Pentecost will be determined fifty days from the maturing of the barley at Passover, ones that have been sevened, completed. This barley crop must have matured and entered God's rest in order to lead others to it. The number of rest is 2663 to 2596, then 3973, meaning settle down, colonize, give rest, reign, pertaining to touching, covering, stop, desist from exertion. The price set by God on barley is 50 pieces of silver for a homer. 50 being the number of jubilee makes these free ones overcomers that will lead the way to the rest of God's feasts and the final jubilee. Barley is tough in nature, survives in times of drought, or we could say in times when it appears God is not moving. Those times he is silent. Faith, you see, is not tested when God is moving, but when he is quiet. It takes the barley to sustain God's people through Armageddon. A spiritual example of this is found in John chapter 6. Jesus fed barley loaves to the starving 5,000. The leftover fragments were gathered in 12 baskets. 12 is the number of government. John chapter 6 verses 9 through 13. There is a lad here who has five. The fivefold ministers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Barley, God's government. Loaves, these are one with the bread of life. Jesus, and two small fish, the apostolic and prophetic offices. But what are they among so many? How can these influence the whole world? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Enter my rest. Now there was much grass in the place, rest in green pastures. So the men sat down, in number about five thousand. Five is the number of grace. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted, their choice. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost, save to feed the ones to come. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets, the number of government, with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over. 
the remnant, the final 10% planted by Abraham with the king of righteousness, those after the order of Melchizedek, the Jubilee, by those who had eaten, chosen truth. It also takes the barley company to win the battles the enemy levies on God's people, as was symbolized in Judges, chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I've had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it, so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. This is the house of the enemy, the modern-day Moabites, the Ammonites, and Amalekites, falling. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. True Israel, the new species. Into his hand God had delivered Midian and the whole camp, the house of Satan. Barley, as God's grain, will be fed to his people in place of the wild vine, the devil's gourds, symbolic of man's systems to save them, as seen in Second Kings chapter 4, verses 38-41. through 41. Read it at your leisure. The flower mentioned there had to be of barley. It is the only grain that would have survived the drought. So what does this tell us today? In the Jubilee year, the part of the new species that is the barley, the government of God, or priesthood completed, feeds, leads, covers, and fights for the wheat, or the rest of the believers that are harvested at Pentecost, symbolized by the wheat. It will take the faith of the barley crop to sustain the wheat crop, as wheat dies in drought. The barley, therefore, represents the head of the body of Christ, and the wheat is symbolic of the body. Combined, united in one accord, one mind and purpose, they are the house of David, the tabernacle, or temple of God. He appears through this special combined crop, his new species, to set all humanity free from the enemy, if they will but hear the voice of his spirit and feast on the hidden manna served at his table. Only then can they move on to the Feast of Trumpets, a new year, an atonement where the final jubilee actually manifests so all of God's creatures can come before him at the Feast of Tabernacles, set free, and his bride leads without spot or wrinkle. As stated before, Passover, Feast of Weeks, and Tabernacles are all harvest feasts and must be attended by all mankind. So there are three harvests to attend. Are we still a part of this world and its prince? Or are we set aside, harvested, sanctified for the barn of God? You see, the word harvest, 7105, means severed to 7114 to dock off. The eighth day was a time Israel was circumcised and they could do nothing of importance for God until their circumcision. Today is again time for circumcision. It's the eighth day when Abraham's seed must be severed off, circumcised from the world 
and obeying God's voice to not touch the unclean thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 through 18. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. Circumcised, says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. If we're not circumcised, we're not his. What is the unclean thing? Anything Satan has produced through humanity, walking in the knowledge Eve chose in the garden. In fact, those walking in this knowledge are themselves unclean. You see, we may be called and picked by God to be His, but it is according to our own free will if we will sever ourselves from this world and the systems of man. Please understand, as we relate to the world, its people, systems, and culture, or on the other hand, look to the kingdom for life, we unknowingly determine which harvest we will be a part of. As God hears our thoughts, only the circumcised in spirit, soul, and body, the mature seed, can exist in the eighth day. Only the circumcised are the first fruits of the new earth. First fruits? Hey, that's the fourth name of this feast. The day of first fruits. Let's look at the definition of first fruits to see what nuggets may be hidden there. 70, 61. First fruits. The first fruits of the crop ripe. 1069. To burst the womb, bear, make early fruit of woman and tree. To give the birthright, make firstborn, be firstling, bring forth first child, new fruit. So this feast is about the day of first fruits, the firstborns of the new kind of man, when the crop is ripe or mature. They will have burst forth from wisdom, woman, bride, and the tree of life, Christ, understanding. They entered into covenant with the Lord, understanding, as they ate his flesh and drank his blood at communion, they would receive his life, his DNA, his stem cells, his characteristics, and ability. These are the firstlings of the eighth day, ones that have renounced the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, that are given the birthright to the first child. These receive the promises of God, as first fruits of the seed of Abraham, Christ, making them the blessed seeds of Abraham and his heirs. Children of the promise, the firstborns, made righteous and protected by the blood of the Lamb, tree, and the word of their testimony, wisdom, woman, bride. The laws of God are literally written in their minds and on their hearts making possible the great change. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. These laws supersede man's laws, as well as the physical laws pertaining to this realm. They rejoice in these laws, 
because faith in them can do the impossible. If God said it, it's law to them, and these laws are backed by God's sovereignty. Therefore, their own personal faith becomes law through what they believe in. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Romans chapter 3, verse 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of Moses? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Our faith is backed by God's law and sovereignty. Therefore, be it as we believe. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Their human spirit is alive, and they have been set free through the truth served at previous feasts of Passover. They have the nature of the Holy Spirit of God. His abilities and a new language was given to them as gifts as they feasted on previous Pentecosts. These are the mature barley, government, a completely new species, harvested and ready in God's barn. When Pentecost fully comes in the final year of Jubilee, to be fed as leaves that heal the nations and lead all creation to the final jubilee. When the final year of jubilee arrives, according to God's plan of restoration, all ten courses or feasts will have been served and experienced and all seven holy convocations attended. God's people, with one mind and one purpose, will stand ready for the final trumpet to blow at atonement, announcing freedom from the enemy, his world, and the establishment of the new heaven and new earth. This glorious sound will be heard around the world as all ten courses, or feasts, are served as one meal, known as the Lord's wedding feast. The inferior barley and wheat are forever called and fed to the birds of prey as their feast. It is a time when God and his people tabernacle, unite as one, and time is swallowed up by eternity, returning creation back to its original order and perfection. So in closing, when both the barley and wheat are served, or completed at Pentecost, colonized, and within God's rest as first fruits, a great change will come about. They will be made ready, prepared as God's bride, to gather to him at the sounding of the jubilee trumpet to forever tabernacle with God on the new earth.